Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good? Come on, let's give it up for Jesus one time in this house before we get started. Oh, I think we can do better than that. There we go. There we go. So, uh, man, we are super pumped about today, and we are in the Take Your Shot series. Turn to your neighbor and say, take your shot. Look back at him and say, you need to take a shot of Listerine, because that was terrible. You need to just, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But, uh, hey, listen, we are so excited about today. And, um, man, we are going to be talking today about silencing your critics. And uh, how many guys got people that just don't want to see you succeed? Come on, somebody. How many of y'all got just... How many, how many know somebody that uh, it's almost like they stay on your Facebook friends list just to see what you're doing wrong so they can call it out? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just anybody got, anybody got people that you are convinced they're not for you winning? Anybody got someone like, anybody know they've got the same last name as you? Hey, I'm just kidding. So, but how many guys know that in life we all have critics, right? We all have people that got something to say. There's something they're saying against us, about us. If you work in an office, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you spend too much time in a cubicle next to someone and you're ready to call them out on anything, right? This person is breathing too hard. You're going to need to do something with them. They're getting on my nerves. But in the critics world, see, in the sports world, the, one of the things that I think the athletes deal with now that they didn't used to have to deal with is this idea of 24-7 criticism. See, I think back to, like, athletes back in the day, Michael Jordan, the Larry Birds, the Magic Johnsons. See, they would have, like, the news would do reports on them. But in between news cycles, they were kind of left to their own devices. Things were a little quiet. But how many guys now know, know now that social media exists between Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube, and then whatever else these kids have come up with nowadays, right? So, like, whatever it is. How many of y'all remember back in the day when you would watch TV and you had to go to channel, like, I think it was like 14 or something, just to see what was coming up next? Y'all know what I'm talking about? See, y'all don't know nowadays. Y'all, Netflix generation don't know about this. You either had to get the TV guide out, right, and flip to like, what, all right, what, what time? Ah, I missed it. (laughs) Or you had to watch the channel with the scrolling thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And you know every time you turn to that channel, it was three seconds too late. Your channel had just gone past. Man, now we got to get all the way in the 70s again just to come back around, right? So now there's this 24-7 news network thing going on where these athletes are constantly dealing with stuff all the time. They don't have, you don't even have to wait anymore. Critics are available 24-7 in your life. How many of y'all know that's the truth? So today we want to talk a little bit about how to silence the critics, but I want to point out a couple of them to you that maybe you haven't really thought about and maybe we can dig into a little bit today. Today we're going to deal with the story of Job and if you've read this story before, if you're familiar with it, um, then you're going to know a few things and if you've not been familiar with it, we're going to catch you up through the story of Job uh, as we go there today. So uh, let's go. It's Job 1, 1. In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. How many of y'all could even call yourself blameless and upright? No, man, listen, y'all, if you think you're blameless and you raise your hand, now you're blamed because you're lying. Okay, so this man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. 
He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. And so Job is in this scene where, man, he's, he's top dog in his area. But even not just in what he had, because we actually read in the Bible that he had a lot of wealth. He was a wealthy man. He had a lot of children. Uh, he had a lot of animals, cattle, and whatnot. He even had a lot of houses. Matter of fact, all of his children had their own house. So in, in the Bible times, he was a pretty wealthy and known individual, right? And we're going to see as we navigate through this story of Job that even though you may have everything that you need, that doesn't stop the critics and everything from coming against you. I would even dare say when you're on top of the mountain, that's when the target is the easiest for people to hit, which is you, right? How many guys know when you're at the bottom, there's a lot of people at the bottom of the mountain. But when you get closer to the top, you start getting isolated. Uh, we, I talk to the staff a little bit every now and then where I tell them there's not as much room at the top as there is at the bottom. So if you want to hang out with the losers, stay at the bottom. But if you're willing to be isolated a little bit, let's go to the top. How many of y'all want to go to the top of the mountain? You want to go where God has everything for you, and you want to step in his purpose and plan. Y'all with me today? And so when you do that, that means there's going to be some critics. And in the midst of that, we want to give you three things that is going to happen. Number one, the first thing you're going to face when you silence the critics is you're going to face the accuser. The accuser. Now, I'm not talking about sister sandpaper in your office, okay, that rubs everybody the wrong way. That's not who I'm talking about when I'm talking about the accuser. Although, how many of you got people in your life that every time they open their mouth, it's like something negative against you? Even when you do something well, they, they point out how you could have done it better. Even when you get somewhere, there's always someone ready to bring you down from where you are, trying to criticize you for how you could have done it differently or how you could have done it better. Or if you didn't done it this way, I think it would have. And how many got people that have just sucked the wind out of everybody's sails? Okay, good. We're talking to the right people today then. But the accuser in this case is the devil. And I just want to go ahead and tell you out of the gate that I, I want you to know in this house today that God has every intention of taking your life and using it to fulfill the plan and the purpose that he wants to unlock in your life. Every single thing that God wants to do in and through your life, he has already preordained. He has set you aside. He has already created a roadmap, and he wants to execute every single thing in your life, but not just in your life, but through your life to reach other people. God has a plan that he's ready to unlock in your life. He has a purpose he's ready to unlock for you. He's got something he wants you to fulfill, and he's ready to take you into every single thing that he prepared if Ephesians says, long before you were even born, God already had plans for you. And can I tell you something? All of your mistakes between then and now have not changed or deterred God's plan for your life. God has every intention of unlocking every ounce of purpose in you that he had set aside in the beginning. But here's the deal that I want you to grab a hold of today. For every plan, every purpose, everything that God has for you to take you to a new level to accomplish, the enemy's got that many plans to bring you back down. He's got that many plans to come against you. He is intentional. How many guys know it always seems like that the enemy has your card? How many of you know he knows right where to hit you? I tell young people sometimes, I say, listen, the enemy's dumb, but he ain't stupid. In other words, he should know that with God on our side, we're always going to win. 
So he may be dumb, but he knows very strategic ways to interrupt our worlds, doesn't he? So the accuser, the devil steps in. But let's look at the accuser and go there for a second. Job 1, 6 through 8. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the, say that word with me, accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked. Satan answered the Lord, and he said, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that is going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. So what Satan was saying there is he was saying, I've been looking everywhere in the world for someone to tempt, someone to try. I've been looking all over the earth, looking for someone that I can see if they can slip. I've been looking for something, someone that I could go after. I've been doing that. And God looks at Satan and says, have you considered my servant Job? Now, I don't know about you guys, but me and God would need a powwow after this right here. How many of y'all are like, God, stop considering me? My considering season is over with, right? Like, could you stop for maybe a week? God says he's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And so God actually recommends Job for what he's about to go through. Now, we see that the accuser stands before God ready to bring something against someone, and God recommends Job. Now, we go to Zechariah 3.1. I want to point this out to you. Joshua, uh, the high priest, is standing before the angel of the Lord. Now, this is a vision. This is in the Old Testament, but I want you to see something that's happening. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand, ready to accuse him. And so, What we have is we have the enemy who is the accuser, right? And what is he doing to accuse us? Well, he's bringing about all kinds of craziness in our life to accuse us. But here's what the accuser, here's what the enemy does in our life. Number one, he comes against us. How many of y'all have ever felt like Satan was in an all-out attack against you in different times in your life, right? Just like he, it was like he was coming, only four of us. The rest of y'all just sleeping well, everything's good, huh? Okay. Then how many of you know the accuser has some accusers, which is some people around your life? How many got crazies in your life that just, right? You can't get away from them. It's like they're tied to you, right? You go left and they're just right there waiting for you, right? But I think sometimes we fight off the accuser well. I think sometimes we even do pretty well at turning off the voices of the accusers around us. But here's the person that we have the hardest time with, the voice inside our own head. How many of us have noticed that we can be strong sometimes against the enemy? We can even be strong sometimes against the people that the enemy has put in our life. But when the voice comes from inside our own head, we have a hard time turning off those lies. How many of y'all know sometimes it becomes hard to filter lies from the truth whenever it starts coming from here? Someone comes against you at work, right? What you do is them. (laughs) I'm taking an early lunch. Done with y'all right? Just walk out the building. But you can't get away from this. 
It doesn't matter how many times you call in sick, this keeps following you. It doesn't matter how many people you talk to about your problems, this keeps following you. It doesn't matter where you try to go, how many sermons you listen to, how much time you spend in worship, this keeps following you. Why? Because you can't get away from this. What is this? The second thing here you have is this is the accusations. The accusations that come against us. What are these accusations? Well, these accusations that I'm talking about, these are lies and truth. Lies and truth. Here's what I mean by that. How many of you already know if you had to stand before God right now with no grace or mercy in your life, you are guilty? Where are my guilty people at? The rest of y'all just lied, so you're guilty now, okay? So just, how many of you, you don't have to look back very far to see where God brought you from and the mess he brought you out of? Can I get an amen on that, right? Some of y'all are like, that was this morning. Shoot, I told the girl off McDonald's, didn't have my McGriddle or nothing. Like, no, like... How many of you know, we, we all got some mess-ups in our life. Y'all with me today? Like, we've all got some things that if we stood before God, how many of us would be terrified? Let's just take this week alone. If God took this week and put it on that screen behind me, and we played every thought that went through your head just this week, how many of you would cower in a room somewhere and just hope to God no one was looking at you? Right? Why? Because we are guilty. And that guilt, how many of you will admit with me, can cover us with shame sometimes. How many of you feel, sometimes you feel unworthy to be around the people you're around. Maybe you're hanging out with a church shop, you're thinking about going to a small group, and the lies that come against you are what? You don't deserve to be in that small group. You shouldn't be around those people. Those people are way better than you. Because here's the trick about lies. See, if I were to come to you right now and say, hey, if you go outside, I just want you to know the sky is green. You'd be like, uh, no. Why? Because you can see that it's blue, right? Now, scientifically, it's the absence of red light, but whatever. Like, you can see that the sky is blue. Why? You can't come at me with absolute lie and me believe it, right? So you could tell me, like, Brad, you look incredibly fit today. I'm going to be like, you're lying. Stop, Okay. If you come at me with an absolute lie, you can call that out. Here's when it gets tricky, when the lie is rooted in a portion of truth. Because here's here's what happens in our brain, and sometimes even people that are around us, here's what happens. You know you shouldn't be in that group, right, because everyone in there is better than you. See, the portion of the truth is, you know you shouldn't be in that group, right? You're right, I shouldn't be able to be in a small group, but by the grace of God, he has created an opportunity for me to be here. See, what happens is we come in here, you know, you know no one loves you, right? You know no one cares about you, right? Because if someone loved you and someone cared about you, then you would be able to be around people, but you can't because no one loves you. And the truth is, none of us deserve love, but God in his infinite grace and his mercy has decided to show it to us anyways, where he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so the portion of truth that exists is that we don't deserve love, but God in his grace and his mercy gave it to us anyways. And then the lie pops in our mind, you know you're never gonna be blessed. You're gonna be poor because everyone before you was poor and everyone before that was poor and you're never going to have finances to be able to do all that God has called you to do. And the reality is the, your mother may have been poor. Her mother may have been poor. But I'm here to tell you today that God can supernaturally provide for the calling that he's put on your life that doesn't have to make sense based on what was. What matters is what is. 
But what happens is God starts to come, the enemy starts to come in, and in our own mind, he brings portions of truth to create permanent lies. That if we don't come against them, we start to buy into them ourselves. Lies like you're not loved, you're not worthy, you don't have value, no one cares about you. No one wants you anyways. And when you start buying, just like Pastor Scott preached last week, he talked about the echo. How when you speak that echo, how many guys, it just keeps going. No one loves you. No one loves you. No one loves you. You have no value. You have no value. You have no value. And you hear that repeated enough. How many guys know it becomes hard not to start believing it? It becomes hard not to start to believe that that's the truth. And those lies and portions of truth that the enemy tries to use against us, he surgically steps into our life and starts to implant those. He starts to give us inception. He starts to put those thoughts in our mind. And how many of you guys will admit with me today that at some point, if we're not careful, we start to believe them? Maybe I'm not worth anything. Maybe nobody does really love me. Maybe I don't deserve to go to church. Maybe I, I can't be around those people. They all got it together. Listen, I'm telling you right now, we don't all have it together, okay? I ran into someone the other day. We was, I was talking to them, and they're like, I was inviting them to our church. I said, man, you would love our church. He's like, man, I just feel like if I came in there, everyone would be looking at me. Like, like they would know there's something going on me. I said, listen, bro, so many of our people are so jacked up, myself included. Ain't nobody looking at you. We just trying to look at us, okay? So don't worry about it. Why? Because we, how many of you know we all got something? We, I'm working on this right here, all right? I'll, try, I'll carry you. I'll try to help you. But just know there's going to be a day I'm going to need you to help carry me too. There's going to be some time I need someone to help lift me up. There's going to be times I need people to pray for me. Why? Because there are times that we all lose track of what's really truth. What's really true is that God loves you. He has destined and purposed you. He created you for a reason. He knows the number of hair on your head. He called you by name before you were even formed in the womb of your mother. There is nothing that can stop the purpose and the plan of God from executing in your life except for you if you start believing the lies and not committing to the truth and not realizing that everything that God has set before me, I can and will fulfill if I stay committed to his purpose. I'll block out the lies. I'll block out the accusers and I'll start committing to everything that God has for me. When I do that, now me and God are joined in our purpose. John 8, 9 through 10. We see a woman here in the Bible and she's been caught in the act of adultery. And so she the, the religious crowd brings her before Jesus. And doesn't the religious crowd, see, this is what tends to happen in churches. And that's why I think it's important we point out some of the lies and the truth. Now, I thank God. I don't feel like T.C. falls prey to this. But how many have ever felt unworthy in a church before? How many have ever felt like you couldn't walk in there? Like everybody in there is better than me. Right? That, that lie. Why? Because here's the deal. There are things in our life that do separate us from God. There are things in our life that do pull us away from who God is. The areas of sin, see, what, the, what, what we love to do as churches, when I say churches, I'm talking about the, like the institution of the church, is we love to look at the person that maybe is having sex before marriage, or maybe they have an addiction problem, or maybe they have this in their life, or whatever, that the Bible speaks that we should wait and we shouldn't do, and all those things. And we love to point those things out, but we let all the people with bitterness, unforgiveness, and hatred and bigotry slide as long as we can point out the other ones which makes some of us feel unqualified because how many of us have jacked it up 
How many of us got a rap sheet and how many of us got a rap book? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just... And, and those things make us feel disqualified. And what the church historically has done is go, listen, uh, we, we're not going to let that person in because uh, that person has had a, a child before they were married. But, uh, you know, Sister Ezo over here, she can gossip all day long. No one's going to check her, though. What about that, that hatred, that person? We're we going to let racism run rampant in 50% of the churches in America. We're not going to deal with that. But that person with alcoholism, we got to talk about that before they can come in here. And what happens is the churches create a mentality that some are accepted and some are not. And can I tell you something? Under the blanket of grace that is afforded to us through the cross of Jesus, we step into the light where the accusers may come, but God's words ring true. And this is exactly what we see, John 8, 9, and 10. So the accusers, the religious crowd, actually brings a woman to Jesus who they caught in adultery. So he looks at her, looks at them, starts writing in the sand. And some of you are familiar with this story. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Writes in the sand. And then he finally tells the men, he says, fine, you're right. She does deserve to die. Based on the law, she's had an affair. She deserves to die. So whoever doesn't have sin in your life, you throw the first stone. They was all like, <clears throat> stones start dropping. And they all walk away. And this is the picture that we're left with. Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord. She answered, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, here's the catch. Now go and sin no more. And if you go back a few weeks back, we talked about grace and truth. And how when grace and truth are married together, that we're actually experiencing the gospel of Jesus where grace comes in and says, that sin in your life, yes, it's real. Yes, you don't deserve to go to heaven for it. Yes, that thing separates you from God. But the truth is that if you'll give your life to Jesus, turn away from that sin, repent, go away, turn away from it, and you'll turn towards Jesus. There's a forgiveness that exists for Sister Easel's hatred and bigotry and your alcohol problem. Your pornography issue and that racism, grace can wipe it all away. Why? Because God brings grace and he does that through, number three, our advocate. He does it through our advocate. And our advocate is our victory. Our advocate is our victory. Speaking of advocates, we got a gentleman in our church. He was here at the 9 o'clock service, but he's, uh, he's an attorney in town, and he's a pretty good one. <laughs> um, he's, a, he's, he's phenomenal, but his testimony and his story about what God can do in your life, no matter where you're at right now. If you feel like you're in the bottom of a valley or if you feel like you're at a mountaintop, I want us to watch uh, my brother Randy Etheridge's testimony real quick. And let's listen to something amazing that God can do in our life when we give it over to him. Let's roll it, guys. I was in a homeless shelter, Waterfront Rescue Mission. I, I was an attorney before that. Uh, I got a DUI. Uh, I had a drink someplace, and apparently I had a blackout. I lived on the beach. I was coming home in a perfectly nice, brand-new Corvette. And I crashed into the toll bridge, 
and it sheared off my front quarter panel. Sparks are flying up 10 to 15 feet in the air. There's a cop in front of me and a cop in back of me. I go to where I make my turn to my house. Cop car comes and literally takes the front end of my Corvette out. I don't remember any of this. Cops open the door, get out of the car, get out of the car. The reason I know this is it was tape, VHS tape. That's how old this is. Anyway, I lost my license to practice as a result of that. Lost my driver's license, lost my home, lost my so-called friends. The judge, who happened to be a friend of mine, we used to work out together, he says, look, Randy, I hate to do this to you, but I'm gonna sentence you to 30 days county jail, and I'm gonna follow that with some house arrest, community control, and probation. Uh, at the last second, one of my friends found out about this place called Waterfront Rescue Mission, and the judge had given me an out, look, if you go get rehab, you won't have to do jail, you can substitute that. Our chaplain was a fellow named Dan Adorno, who, who a minister with uh, Pastor Dan in New York City. Well, one night, this white-haired guy that looked to me looked like Ric Flair or used car salesman shows up, and he was the guest pastor. And something about me and this guy clicked, because I could tell he's genuine, and he's talking to me. And we're the same age and everything. Uh, we had our choice to go, and I started going to TC. And there was something different about the church. Um, I could feel something when I walked in there, I and mean, it was heartfelt. It's the first church I've ever been to. They weren't worried about what you dressed like, how much money you made, how much money you gave. They were about winning souls for Christ, which is what really hooked me on the church. I met my wife, and I brought my wife in there. And she used to be just like me. She's an old country girl from Holt. But when she came in there, she felt the same thing that I felt. So we're there with me. I'm not an attorney. I got suspended from practice of law for three years. I'm making like $600, $500, dollars a week as a paralegal. And supernaturally, we go to pay our power bill. It was paid for. We get blank envelopes with no return address, $500. The prosecutor for the Florida Bar told me, look, you will never practice law again. If I have anything to do, you will never practice law again. Okay, well, it is what it is. As time went on, I did the stuff that I was supposed to do humbled myself, did everything the way I was supposed to. Anyway, the same lady that told me, look, you will never practice law again, she stipulated that I go back into the bar. So I have this a beautiful wife, beautiful daughter. I don't advertise. I have more business than any other criminal defense attorney in Pensacola, and it's because God, you know? And the thing that really kills people is, well, how do you do it? You know, how do you do it? Well, I learned, and Pastor Dan led me down the right path. Look, you do your tithe. Why are you, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? My wife, you couldn't believe we were making the 500, 600 bucks. We don't have $50. We don't have $60. I said, look, we're going to give it. And I'd be dang, every time we did, boom, here comes this new job. Here comes this check. Here comes other opportunities for me. I'm back at the bar, so if I've got anything to tell you, you know, just give it a shot, give them a chance. You know, what do you have to lose? You ain't gonna get any worse than what you are now. I, the decisions I kept making were not good decisions. And when I finally stepped back, so you know, God, I tried it my way, but it never did, really did work. But when I started, you know, getting back, and hey, look, you handle it, what do you think I should do? The answers came, and you know, the results speak for themselves. Um, not bragging or anything else, because I really don't have a whole bunch to brag about. I, I was the worst, one of the worst. 
my wife will be happy to tell you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, nothing but good things have happened. It's not saying once you become Christian, once you come say that everything's gonna be perfect. It ain't gonna happen like that, trust me. Because still I've had my hills and valleys through this whole process. But it sure is a lot better than when you got God on your side. Trust me, a lot, lot better. That's awesome. That's uh, so. Randy's actually been with us for a long time at our church, and I, I met with Pastor Dan, uh, our founding pastor, uh, last year at the end of last year, and I said I think it's time to tell Randy's story because I think for a lot of us, you know, maybe we haven't uh, driven a Corvette over the Three Mile Bridge with sparks flying everywhere, but uh, perhaps, man, you're at some of those areas of your life, and there's actually a portion of that story that he mentioned, but I, I wanted to point out to you because talking about critics. The lady that ran the Florida bar uh, actually looked him in the face and told him, you'll never practice law again because you're done. And she actually became his greatest advocate of him getting his license back. Because when God puts his hand on you, there's nothing anybody else can do to stop what God wants to accomplish in your life. There's no lies, there's no accusers, there is no enemy that can stop what God wants to do in your life. But here's the deal. For some of us, it takes saying yes. For some of us, it takes moving forward. For some of us, it takes going, all right, God, I'm going to give this to you. And for some of us, it takes blocking out the lies where everything in our life, the people around us perhaps, are the enemy, Satan. And even in our own mind, we don't know if we believe that there's a possibility that God could actually do something with my life. I'm here to tell you today, not only can he, he will if you say yes. There's a purpose that God wants to unlock in your life. And so we have the accuser. We have the accusations, but then we have our advocate. And, and, and the beauty of what God does in and through our life is this, is we, we stand, and, and I can't use any of your stories, but I can use mine. And, and so I'll insert myself into this story, but I want you to make it relative to you because what happens is we stand before God and as we stand in front of God and God is on his throne because he is the king. And as he's sitting before his throne, there's a line down the middle. And on this side of the line is the accuser, it's Satan. And on this side of the line is us. And Satan goes, yeah, you remember that problem that he used to have? You remember the drinking problem? You remember the drugs? You remember the gangs that he used to get into? And all of those things are real. And for me in my life, in my testimony, how God brought me through drugs, how he brought me through gangs, how he brought me through drinking, how he brought me through all, as, as part of my testimony, I'm standing there before God and I got nothing to say because it's all true, man. And so Satan looks at God and says, he was this and he was that and he was that and he was that, and he was that, and all I can do is stand there with my head hung low because it's all true. Shame consuming, guilt tearing me apart on the inside knowing I don't deserve to stand in front of a holy God. But you know who steps up right beside me? On my side of the line is Jesus. And every time Satan looks at me and goes, he doesn't deserve that because of his drinking, Satan goes, you're right, but you see these holes in my hand, Jesus, did you see these holes in my hands? I paid for that. So you don't have to count that against him. And Satan goes, well, you, you remember the gang violence that he got into? And, and Jesus goes, yeah, but you see where the spear went into my side and I died on the cross? I paid for that. And Satan looks at him and goes, yeah, but you don't, you, the drugs and all that he used to get into, he 
doesn't deserve to go to heaven. And Jesus goes, you're right, you're right, God. But you see the holes in my head where the crown of thorns punctured into my skull and I started to bleed. I paid for all of that. And every time Satan points at you and he says, you're not worthy and you don't deserve to go and you shouldn't be in heaven, Jesus just looks at God and goes, you're right, they don't deserve it. But because I went to the cross, because I loved them so much, I gave my own life and I paid for their way. And so listen, God, you're right. They don't deserve any of the goodness that I'm gonna give them. But because I love them so much, I paid for every single sin in their life. And now when you look at them, don't see them, just see me. When you look at them, don't see their hurts and their wounds, just see me. And you know what the best part about this story is? Is our advocate, our attorney, the one pleading to God for our case is the son of the judge. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see us anymore. The Bible says that we don't even stand with our own righteousness, but we take on the righteousness of Christ. And when God looks at us, all he sees is Jesus. He doesn't see your screw ups. He doesn't see your pain. He doesn't see your flaws. He just sees Jesus. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see the errors of your ways. He doesn't see the sin in your life. He just sees the cross. And every time he looks at you, he's trying to tell you, I've given you a way out. I've given you a way out. I've given you a way out. Stop holding your head down. Hold your head high because I've given you a way out. Don't let shame consume you because the cross has given you a way out. The blood of Jesus where he died for you has given you a way out. You don't have to hide in guilt anymore because Jesus has come to bring new life into your spirit where you no longer have to be the beggar. You no longer have to be the loser, but you get to step into the grace of Jesus and carry yourself as a victorious child of the living God who's ready to breathe new life into you and into your purpose. God is ready and willing to declare that goodness to you. The question is, even when we believe that, what do we do with the critics? John 2, 1 and 2 says this. My little children, I'm writing this to you so you don't sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And we jump to Revelation 12. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb who is Jesus and by the word of their testimony. You wanna know how you silence the critics in your life? Start declaring what God has already done. You wanna know how you fight the lies? Start declaring the truth that God has already shown you. When the lies come in and say, man, you are never gonna live in a financial position where you could ever fulfill the purpose of God, and those lies start to torment you, you look back to the last time that you shouldn't have made it, but God brought you through. Whenever the lies start to come against you, they start to tell you that your purpose can't be fulfilled, that you'll never be able to do anything in the kingdom, and you start to believe it, you look back to the last time that you were able to speak somebody about your testimony, and they started to walk in deliverance because of you walking in deliverance, and you pointing them to Jesus 
Jesus. Every single time the lies come against you, start remembering where God brought you from. Start to remember everything that he has for you. I don't know about you, but I could be in a gutter somewhere. I could be in a prison cell somewhere. I could be dead today, but by the grace of Jesus in my life, he brought me to a place where I'm standing here today to tell you that there is nothing and nowhere that you can go that'll hide you from what God wants to do in your life and the purpose he wants to release. There is no failure that is too big. There is no mess up that can destroy the purpose of God in your life. If you start to declare the goodness and the good news that Jesus is more than able to cover my sin, my guilt, my shame, my mess up, my past, and take me to a new place where I get to hold my head high and declare that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He brings new purpose every day. How many of you guys know that that's true? Amen. Why? This last point is that your testimony always brings clarity in the midst of your critics. You need to remember the truth. Look at where God brought you from because it'll paint the real picture. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the people around you. Just look at the truth. Look where God brought me from. Look at the healing he gave me last time. Look at the financial breakthrough he brought me through last time. Look at how he gave me grace and mercy last time. Look where I could be, but now he's got me here. Why? Because God has a purpose and a destiny to unlock in your life. And it starts in a place of surrender where we get to say, God, I'm giving you everything. And the minute we give him everything, he takes everything and makes it all work for our good because he's a good God. Can we give it up for God one more time in this house this morning? Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that in an abundance of grace and mercy, you shower down on us favor, sonship as sons and daughters. God, we thank you, God, that you are looking for every opportunity to love us and to carry us and to lead us and to guide us. That our past does not have to dictate our future, but grace and mercy gets to reign in our life. We thank you and we love you today. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for purpose. If you're in this room with everyone's head bowed and your eyes closed today, maybe that's you. Maybe you've believed the lies for far too long. Matter of fact, for some of you, I believe that God has been calling and wooing you. He's been, you've been feeling this thing on the inside where you felt like God has been trying to bring you close, but out of guilt and shame, you have stayed away. I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to do that anymore, that God wants you close. And today, if you're in this room, and you're saying, Pastor, I've tried to live in my life my way. I, I've, I've tried to do all the right things and I just can't ever seem to get there. But what I, what I know is that I need Jesus in my life. I need to be saved. I, I, I've tried walking down my path. I've even tried being religious. I tried going to church, but nothing ever felt right. But today I'm ready to surrender my whole life to him. Not just my weekends, not just my Sundays, but my heart. I'm ready to say yes to that call of God on my life. And if you're in this room and you're ready to say yes, and you're ready to follow Jesus today, I'm here to tell you with open arms, God is waiting for you. 
And without, I'm not gonna come to you, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna point you out. We just wanna pray together. And if that's you, you say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus to take over my life and I'm ready to say yes. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you sit right now? God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Like I said, I'm not here to embarrass you. I just wanna pray for you. Is there anyone else that says, that's me, Pastor. God bless you, God bless you. I'm ready for God to take over my life and I'm ready to get a fresh start, a new beginning with Him. Maybe you're watching us online today and you say, that's me, Pastor. I'm ready to say yes to God. I'm ready for a, a fresh start, a new beginning. What we're gonna do is we're gonna pray a prayer together and this prayer doesn't make you saved. Putting your faith in Jesus alone is what makes you saved. But we wanna put words to our actions and declare with our mouth that we're going after Jesus. So we're gonna pray it together and the whole church is gonna pray it with you so you're not praying by yourself. As a church, let's pray with our brothers and sisters. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean, make me pure, make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later. So I believe in you. I give you my life through your life, through your death and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So now I follow you. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. CC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.